Well, I have been enjoying my time with the Lord this week. I have been encouraging you for the last month or so, just very deliberately, to be spending time alone with God every day. Because if we can deliberately work into our everyday life a habit of stopping to open the Bible, to talk to the Lord, and to deliberately use the fruit of the Spirit, which is involves self-control, and actually deliberately decide to take, even if it's 10 minutes a day, to open the Word of God, to, to make it an, a regular time where you sit down, open the Bible, talk to the Lord, pick up a journal, and even just jot down what you read, or the scripture reference, or something you prayed, or something that the Lord spoke to you through the, the Word of God. If you would take 10 minutes every day just to, to spend some time with Him, that would be better than taking four hours one day and nothing for 10 days. Because if you start building it into your life as a regular habit, you'll start to develop relationship. Hallelujah. You won't be acquaintances with God. You'll become friends. Hallelujah. You'll start to be able to hear his voice better and better. You'll be training your ears to listen. You'll be looking forward. I get my, you know, I get my little... Um, Someone gave me a Bluetooth speaker, a little Bluetooth speaker, which I put in my, put beside my chair and, and I put some worship music on and I just get in my happy place, get my, my music going and got my Bible and my journal and my pen and my cup of tea. And it's like, oh, I so, I so like, this is my happy place all by myself. <laughs> the door closed. And here I am, but I'm not all by myself. I'm with the Father who is looking forward to it more than I am. And I, you know, it doesn't matter what I write, but I try to make a deliberate, determined effort to write something every day, just to keep myself accountable, that I'm every day, not just floating by, but being deliberate to hear the voice of the Lord, to read and to, to feed on his word. And, you know, you might think it doesn't sound very spiritual to do 10 minutes a day, but I tell you, if you do 10 minutes every day, you really will start to develop relationship with the Lord. You'll want to do more than that because you'll begin to realize how lovely it is. But, you know, if you would, if you would do that, I really believe the Lord would encourage you. So I, I know I sound like... I am repeating myself all the time, but I, if I can get 20% of you doing that, and then 30% of you doing that, and this world starts to see friends of God, they'll find what they're looking for. You are the light of the world. Hallelujah. God wants us not to walk around moved by how we're feeling or whatever circumstances are going on. You reflect what you're looking at. And if you're, if you're only looking at how you're feeling and what's going on all the time, then when someone runs into you, pretty quickly, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. But if instead you've started your day looking at the one who looks at you with more love than you can actually physically or emotionally handle. Remember we said the Bible says he, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame you come out having had some fellowship with the one who looks at you and loves you more than any person has ever loved you 
who accepts you, who delights in you, who enjoys you, then the people around you are going to experience who he is. Hallelujah. That is, that's glorious. And so I make no apology for nagging you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wonderful Jesus. Well, let's pray. Father, I ask that you truly would take these words and let them bring fruit. Lord, that they wouldn't just hit people's ears, but Lord, that you would cause them to become seeds that go into their hearts and produce great fruit, lasting fruit. Lord, you said the word of the Lord does not return to you void, but it accomplishes that which it's sent forth to do. Lord, let your word so impact our hearts, Lord, that it bears good fruit. I declare that it accomplishes what you send it forth to do today. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. It's a choice we get to make. We have a choice about whether we're going to be glad or not. You know, the glorious good news of the gospel is that because of the sacrifice of Jesus and our faith in him, we get to be the righteousness of God in Christ. We get to be the just who live by faith. So that means, as it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, because we've exchanged our lives, our identity, for his life and his identity, we now have power not to be led by how we feel, but we have power to tell our hearts what to feel. We have, heart, we have power to tell our souls, hey soul, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, I'm feeling bad and bad things happening. Hey, soul, let me tell you, God is bigger. He's in charge. He is good. He makes all things work together for your good. I'm going to tell you right now, I am the just who lives by faith, not the miserable who lives by feelings. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to turn today to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and pick up where we were last week. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. I'm reading from the Amplified today. I like to use lots of different versions of the Bible. If you get nervous about different versions of the Bible, I have news for you. The Bible was not actually written in English. It was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and uh, so we are reading a translation, so it's worthwhile looking at different translations. It also, I think, is good to keep you fresh, so you don't get so familiar with it that you don't actually let it hit your heart and make your heartstrings resonate. It says here, for if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith, activated and energized and expressed and working through love. That's great news. It means that we're not accepted because of what we've done. We're not accepted by, because of outward things that have happened. We are accepted when we have put our faith in who God is. When we have faith working through love, that is the key to the kingdom. 
The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the key to entering into the kingdom is to know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And his name is Jesus. And we put our faith in him. The heart of the heart of God is that we wouldn't try to have faith, that we wouldn't be, be trying to believe, but that we would know him. And knowing him who is love, we would have the faith of Christ activated in us. And that faith works then through love. God doesn't expect us to have faith in somebody we don't know. He doesn't ask you to have faith in a philosophy or somebody else's revelation. He wants you to have faith in him. So he wants to reveal who he is to you so that you can have faith. Hallelujah. And he gives every one of us the gift of faith. He's looking for us to seek to know him because he says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. So who is God? Wonderful, wonderful father. A lot of people have a concept of a supreme being, but not having known him, it is, it's difficult to try and figure it out cerebrally. You know, who, who is God? Well, God tells us who he is. He made himself real to us. And we are able to see who he is as we look in the word of God. Jesus told us what the father looked like when he told the story of the prodigal son. He told this parable. He said, there was a young man and he went to his father. He was the younger son and he went to his father and he said, give me my inheritance now. Give me whatever, everything that I'm going to get. Give it to me now. And um, he took it and he went away and he just lived a wild life, spent it on all sorts of things, prostitutes, gambling, drinking, until he ran out. And then he found himself in a real place of trouble because there was a famine, there was no work, and he ended up trying to get some work feeding pigs. And even then, it, their pay obviously was so bad that he was hoping that maybe he could eat some of the pig food. That's a pretty seriously low place, especially when you think Jewish people don't even do pigs. He'd gone as far away as he thought he could go. But then when he was there in the pig pen, he thinks to himself, the Bible actually says he came to his senses. And he thinks, well, you know, I know my father's a good man. Maybe if I go home, he'll give me a job. But you know, he didn't have any expectation that he'd be able to take up where he left off. He knew he'd disgraced his family. He knew he'd done everything he shouldn't have done. And he knew he didn't deserve anything. But he did know his father was good and that he, would, he probably would give him a job. He certainly didn't expect what he found. Because the moment the father saw him from a long way off, the Bible says, he ran toward him. 
and he incredibly embraced him and kissed him. He said, bring me the finest robe, bring me the ring, which is the, the symbol of authority in the household, meaning that he would be representing his father. Bring me shoes for his feet, kill a fatted calf, let's have a party. He's my son who has lost, he's come home. And he was lavishly, completely loved. And all of this, before the son had had the chance to even say, Dad, I was awful, I'm really sorry. The father was in the midst of organizing the party and couldn't stop kissing him when finally the son said, Dad, I'm not worthy of even being called your son. It was almost as if the father ignored him and said, Bring some shoes for his feet. Look at him. He's my son. Jesus told this parable. To show us who God is and what God is like. You see, we try to view God through, very often, through a human mindset. And we, we would think that, well, I'm going to go back, but it's, it's going to take some time to rebuild trust, understandably. No, obviously my father's not going to, he's a good man, he'll... He won't let me starve, but, you know, we get a lot of work to do relationally to, to gain, regain any sort of level of trust. This is going to take years. That would have been his thinking, I think. But the, the wonderful good news of God is that the love of God is beyond human comprehension. It's better than we can understand. It actually doesn't make human sense. It doesn't even seem just, and yet God is just. He's the one who said, I love justice. He is justice. You think, well, you know, really, sin needed to be punished. And it's true. Sin needs to be punished. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the great news of the kingdom is that God loved us so much that he knew we could never pay for our sin. So he came himself, stretched out his arms, and took every bit of punishment. He died so that we wouldn't have to be punished. And he said, now, if you will put your faith in my love for you, if you will believe that I am God, that I have come, that Jesus came as a man in the flesh, the Son of God, laying his life down for us. If you will put your faith in him, you will receive my life. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And that not by earning it, but by simply believing that he receives you as a son or a daughter. That he is who Jesus says he is. Hallelujah. God is love, and it is, it's incomprehensible by human standards. That's why I love to teach people to pray that wonderful prayer in Ephesians 3, that we would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. It's something we need supernaturally to get. Hallelujah. He wants to supernaturally enlighten the eyes of our understanding, to know him, to experience him. He wants to give us supernatural power by the Spirit of God himself, strengthening us so that we can comprehend the love of Christ that passes knowledge. 
so that we can actually know Christ dwelling in us through faith. So that we can actually believe that Jesus made a way for me to be born again. Where I am no longer who I used to be. I no longer have a selfish heart. I have received a new heart. I have received the very nature of the one who is more wonderful, more glorious than anybody we have ever understood. His goodness becomes our goodness. Because the Bible says it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, the Bible says. Yet not I, but Christ. This one who was so good that he cared nothing for himself but laid his life down. He gives us his heart, his nature, and he says, now this is who you are. I give you a new, new nature, a new heart. It almost seems blasphemous and heretical because it doesn't make sense humanly. That doesn't seem fair. And yet it is the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. It's why we need supernatural faith, supernatural revelation of this incredible love. Otherwise, it just doesn't make any human sense. The Bible tells us who God is in 1 Corinthians 13. The Bible tells us that God is love. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is love. It's actually his definition. God doesn't just love. He is love. It's his definition. So we could read this and, and say love is, and you could substitute God is, because he is love. It is his personality. He, it is his very definition. It says here, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. If I don't have God, then everything I try to do still won't measure up to who he is. God invites us to be joined with him as one. But the Bible says that light can have no fellowship with darkness. God can't be joined to anything less than holy and pure. He tells us that we aren't to be unequally yoked. And in the same way, he can't be unequally yoked. So he had to make a way for us to become as good, as pure, as holy as he is. I'm just going to say it like it is. And he waits for us to start to believe it. He says, I want you to be the righteous who live by faith. Who actually put your faith in who I am and start to believe that when I say you have been crucified, 
inside with me, that I've given you my heart, a new heart, a new nature, that it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, you would start to practically believe it, apply it, and see it worked out in your everyday life. But you'd start to think about this, to take it beyond the concept realm and start to study and find out who this God is. When you start to discover who you, he is and you put two and two together and begin to realize he says, as he is, so am I in this world, that the good news is that I come back to him. I come to him in faith and receive his forgiveness, receive his mercy. I exchange my sin for his righteousness. I get a new heart. I become a new creation. And he get, I get his righteousness, his nature, not part of who he is. As he is, I become. It doesn't mean that... that you know, I am God. He is God, but I have been joined to him and made part of his body. Absolutely, completely, and thoroughly accepted. Hallelujah. And made clean. Hooray. It's happy news. But so often we live in the hangover of unbelief and human thinking that wants us to feel ashamed and feel condemned and be defined by how we feel about ourselves. I love the prophetic word that came forth tonight about the past being gone. We must be believers who actually believe that's a reality. But you are not defined by how you lived yesterday or today. You are defined by the one that you have put your faith in. You are defined by the fact that it is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you when you have received the Son of God, when you have received this God who is love. Hallelujah. He says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, you can try to measure up, but you never will. But if instead you just give up and you say, God, I humble myself, only you, only you are good. I receive your forgiveness. I give you my life and I receive your life. Suddenly you get what you could never earn. And in believing what has happened, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe yourself to be a pathetic sinner who's trying to, trying to do good things, then you will manifest the fruits of a selfish, pathetic sinner. <laughs> but if you believe yourself to have been forgiven by the King of Kings and made new, accepted, adopted into his family and become a new person, a new creation, you will start to live from the reality of what you believe. The just live by faith. Love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This isn't a list of to-dos. Okay, I've got to be patient. I've got to be kind. I've got to keep... No, oh, I'm not very good at the no keeping no record of wrongs things. Oh, I forgive him. I forgive him, God. 
list of do's and don'ts that we have to try and measure up to. This is the definition of who God is, and therefore the definition of what your new nature looks like. You need to start to come into agreement that when God says, love is patient, love is kind, that love isn't rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not a comparison to what you're like, it's the identity that you now have received by faith. You are kind. You are patient. You are not self-seeking. You might have had people tell you your whole life, you're so selfish, you're so proud, you're so vain, you're so rude. You need to deliberately make a choice to say, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe what's been said about me? Am I going to believe that how I've behaved defines me? Or am I going to believe that by putting faith in the Son of God, I have become a new creation. When you take that step and you deliberately, every day, actively, like the scripture we read at the beginning, get energized by knowing this one who is love and let faith rise up in your heart as you actively walk out by faith the reality of what has happened, you will start to produce the fruit of the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you. John chapter 14. It's a good verse. Actually, I'm going to read six verses because it's delicious. <coughs> Highly recommend the book of John. I love the book of John. He refers to himself consistently through, this, through the gospel as the disciple who Jesus loved. Peter and James were there and so was the disciple who Jesus loved. He's referring to himself. And that's awesome. That's how you should be thinking about yourself. When you come to spend time with him in the morning, when you come to God, you don't come, oh, here I am, I'm such a big girl. Oh, God, I'm so embarrassed just even to talk to you. He's not there. He's uh, looking at you thinking, oh, are you pathetic. He's there going, oh, I'm so happy to see you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh, God, I don't feel very loved. Oh, you can't be wanting to talk to me. He said, look at me. Oh, your face to me is lovely. Your voice is sweet. My heart rejoices over you with singing. We think, surely you must be wanting to punish me. Surely you must be angry with me. No, I poured all my anger, all my punishment out on my son. I came as a man to take your punishment so that I could have the joy of just being able to love you. Faith pleases me. The fact that you've opened your Bible and you've lifted your eyes to me today is faith. And it pleases me so much. I'm so happy to see you. When you start to get that fear and emotion no longer have any power to separate you from the love of God because you get to know who He is. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He has not changed His mind because He said it is finished. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would, not have, to I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Fair question, I think. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was saying, I am the way to life. I am love. I am the door. If you will put your faith in me, if you will believe that I am who I say I am, I am the one. I am the way for you to enter into fellowship, into relationship, into new eternal life. Because I am the way for you to become a co-equal with God. I am the way for you to be able to be joined to the one who is spotless and perfect. The one who cannot be joined to anything less than perfect. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can come through me. Hallelujah. When you know me, you know the way. Romans 3, verse 21. Actually, no, I'm going to skip down to, to verse 7 of that, um, that John passage. John 14, verse 7. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Who has seen the Father? So how can you say, or he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Philip was saying, look, it'd just be enough if you could let us see the Father. We'd be right then. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and you don't yet realize? We don't serve three different gods. God is one. And God came in the form of a man. And he laid down his life. God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He is one, just as we are body, soul and spirit. God is one. Father, Son and Spirit. And he came. God who is love came. Gave his life. And he said, when Philip's like, well, if we could just see the Father, then we'd be right. He's like, don't you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? The Father wants to reveal himself to you. And he wants to reveal himself to you through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. He wants to reveal himself to you in a way that you get to know and understand that he is love. God is love. And his love for you is more intense and more glorious than we've ever understood. He wants to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that we can supernaturally have the eyes of our understanding enlightened so that we can know him because in knowing him, we know the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah.
wonderful Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says this. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Therefore the Lord himself, it says in Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 7 there. Therefore the Lord himself will, will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus is, was God with us. He came, he walked the earth as a man, suffered everything and all the temptations that we would suffer, and yet was without sin, and then gave himself to be punished for everything we would ever do, took our punishment, so that those who would put their faith in the Lord Jesus would become new creations in Christ. Hallelujah. Emmanuel, God with us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, uh, oh, I'm, I'm reading uh, on to verse 15, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, hallelujah, what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He says, because you've trusted in the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Because of that reason, because you've trusted God, my prayer is, Paul's saying, that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Because you've trusted in him, it's my prayer that you would continually seek after him to know him. It's because in knowing him, in discovering who God is, in discovering the love of Christ that passes knowledge, in discovering this great love of God, you discover the hope of your calling. You discover the reality that you are actually a gift in the earth, that you are God's inheritance on the earth, that you'd understand the value that you have to him, the delight that you bring to his heart, and that you'd understand that you not only have been accepted and received, but you've been given the ring, you've been given the authority, you've been given the power, hallelujah, that you begin to wake up and believe it because your faith pleases God. A false humility that says, oh, you know, I don't want to go that far, does not reflect a true relationship with God. Because if you know him, you'll know how he feels about you. You'll know that he 
delights in you, that he wants to pour so much love into your heart that it casts out every trace of fear. That you're no longer afraid of becoming proud because you know you're already dead and he lives in you. You won't walk in boastful pride because you haven't even got a thought to want to be that. Because your thoughts and your focus is on the one who has become, who is love and who has made you love. So many people are afraid all the time. I don't want to get too proud. And so they're afraid to enter into the fullness of the revelation of who they have become in Christ. And therefore, they limit themselves with all sorts of lies and fear and condemnation and don't allow the Lord to shine through them. Instead, we need to believe that He is able to keep me from falling. Now unto him who is able to keep me from falling. I need to trust him enough that if I just let go and believe, it doesn't feel right to believe that I'm completely clean, that I've been forgiven, that I've got a new heart, that I'm as good as God. It just doesn't feel fair, but I choose to believe it. And I choose to believe that in believing what he's asking me to believe, that he is able to keep me from falling. It'll bring you into a place of holy reverential fear before God that you wouldn't want to do anything that would displease Him. You'd recognize that love is not haughty or proud. <laughs> I don't even have to be afraid of it. I don't have to be afraid of sin. I have to abhor it. Ew, yuck. But I don't have to be afraid of it because it no longer has any power or relevance to me. That's that life. Praise God, I've been set free from that life. Praise God, I've been set free from me. Oh God, I'm just going to live in this place of being loved by you, of you showing me who you are. I want to know you more and more. Every day I want to spend time with you, finding out who you are, so that I can walk in the revelation of your love for me, that I might be and uh, manifest you to everyone around me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.